What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft driver and gig economy news. Powered by UberLyftDrivers.com. I'm your host, SJ, and it's time to get it on. Well, the midnight headlight, blinding on a rainy night, steep laid up ahead, slowing down and making no time. Welcome, everybody, to a special Rodeo Live. Today, my guest is Stephanie Vigil. She is a gig worker here in Colorado. Um, Stephanie is running for a Colorado State House seat in District 16, which is Colorado Springs. Um, welcome, Stephanie. Hi. Thanks for having me. It is uh, V-Hill, by the way, just for for future. Oh, I, I say it again? V-Hill. So like it, it looks like Vigil. It means vigilant. It's, okay. it's I I married into it. I <laughs> I would have I thank you. I would have never gotten that. Yeah, no worries. No worries. So in fact, I'm, I'm surprised. I would be surprised if almost everybody doesn't get that wrong. Uh, most people do just once, unless they're um, you know unless they grew up in a Hispanic and Spanish speaking household. So <laughs> right. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I think that I heard when I was coming in and out of this room myself real quick here i think that i heard gary kind of saying something i just wanted to put out there first um i want to make it clear we are not here to debate politics uh this is not a political channel the discussion will primarily be revolve around the future of app-based gig economy but i'm sure that we probably might talk about this or that as well uh, but please post your questions in the chat uh, Gary is happy to help you rewrite them if you happen to miss word, but please follow the YouTube guidelines, guys. Um, you know, you know what they are. So, <laughs> uh, keep it, keep it clean. That's all I got to say. Other than that, uh, I guess, it, so Stephanie, why on earth would you want to get into politics? <laughs> I'm sure. kidding. I'm kidding. Let me. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. I, I know, but. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, so I come I come from a, a pretty rough background as a, as a child. I grew up in a, um, you know, a, a very, a very poor and a very uh, toxic and abusive home. Um, and so I had a lot of uh, struggles in my early adulthood. I was disabled for a while. Um, and when I went into long term recovery after all of that, um, I just felt like uh, someone like myself with my lived experience should, uh, you know, drop a seat at the table. Um, and have every bit as much of a voice in our decision-making process as anybody else to make sure that everyone's needs are met. That's my, that's as, as radical as I'm going to get probably <laughs> for this is, you know, um, include everyone in the decision-making process. So, and that actually went hand in hand with my decision to go into more uh, gig-based work too, because when I was still disabled, I started to pick up a little work here and there. I did some, some nannying, some baking jobs. I'm a baker as well. Um, and the app-based uh, gig economy was also avail becoming available, more available at the time. And so I, I got into that as well. And it's kind of stuck with me ever since as a way to, um, you know, make ends meet, but not be tied down to one job. Right. And then, and that's like a um, something we talk about here a lot is independent contractorship and uh, and being able to keep that status. And I'm not saying that from a gig worker standpoint, I'm, I could be. But I do think a lot of gig workers don't fully understand what independent contractor means. And I don't mean that as a slam. I, I just mean that it's more of a hybrid model. And I've seen this being suggested a little bit lately. Uh, but I work in the traditional IC world as well. I've, I've worked for a penny press machine uh, company that does a lot of the Colorado Springs locations to like Garden of the Gods and all this where you put the dollar in and you pick a one of the four options and you crush a penny. So I've worked for this company. I've worked for a laser company since the late nineties. And, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, um, I need to be able to keep all those ways of earning and have gig economy. And I can't have that limited. Like I can't, that's yeah. not, 
no matter what, I would always take the other side against that because I can't lose that. I need the full ability to earn how I earn. Sure. Sure. So you mean as far as uh, like becoming a hired employee, for instance? Right. Or a franchise model or mm -hmm. something along those lines that would completely change what the gig economy was ever meant to be. Sure. Um, you know, and I, I guess, you know, we can all say like, yeah, it was meant to be something, but man, it got real dirty real quick. Well, I mean, yeah, it did. And that's because there's corporate greed, but there's political greed. There's, I mean, <laughs> greed's kind of something that's everywhere, you know? Yeah. I think you can always, I think as a general rule, you can always uh, follow the money if it looks like somebody's being uh, taken advantage of and find out who's, who's uh, making off with it. Right. So that's, and that's true, whether we're talking about public or private sector. So, and I'm right there with you. I don't, uh, I don't favor an, an employed model. And I've actually, this is something I've run into with some, um, with some activist groups and organizations that I'm allied with in my political work where they said, well, what are you, know, what are you going to do to end the misclassification? Um, I said, well, misclassification of, of whom, you know, and, and I think maybe uh, there are some folks out there who if they haven't done, if they haven't worked in the gig economy, if they're not familiar with it, um, they, they might, they might be tempted to think that our greatest wish is to get out of it and be employed and be hired um, and have like a regular, you know, nine to five, 40 hour a week job. And um, I, I, I've, I've taken it as a point of pride to be one of the, the few people in my uh, political lane who go, no, 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 um, maybe you should listen to us actually, like bring us, bring actual gig workers to the conversation here because you, you might be surprised uh, what we all actually want. Well, and I guess, I guess that's a good a good thing to talk about next is what do you think we all want? I've been doing this since 2014. I talked because of para and other outlets and whatnot. I've talked to drivers all over the country for years and years and years and years through the audio podcast, the YouTube channel through my website. Um, so I'm curious to think what, see what you think gig workers want. Yeah. Well, what I what I have discovered, and again, well, there's there were not a monolith, right? Because you've talked to all kinds of people, you've probably heard the full spectrum of feedback as well. Mm -hmm. I think the big things for us at this point are for the system to work the way that it claims it will work, so that we know what to expect, um, for us to have a say in the system, and for uh, the information that's available to us on the app to be accessible to us, um, to not have information hidden, to not have our data used against used against us. Um, and to have like a fair real world opportunity to maximize our earnings, right? If you work for yourself, you work for yourself. Um, and that should, that, if that's the way it's supposed to be, um, then the app can't just, the app companies can't just go trying to have their cake and eat it too, where they want us to uh, operate as if we work for them, but not, you know, obviously we still have our own cars, our own devices. Um, so the information that's provided to us to make decisions about our own work needs to be accurate and transparent. And that's, I think is the big, that's the big struggle is who, who's allowed yeah. to access that data and who isn't. That absolutely, that absolutely is the big struggle. Um, is there's, first of all, there's already, we, I talk about this on the channel all the time. There's already da data sharing between all these platforms anyway. So if you get deactivated for, some you know in rideshare for either of the giants lyft or uber and some woman accused you of touching her you will immediately be de deactivated within like an hour from lyft as well because they share that data um you know do they like sharing with each other no but they do um shared data is one of the things that you when you click i agree when using this app you're you're clicking away those rights i've had legal rideshare on here um spoke to them a few times about this but uh um I guess I, I need to ask because right before we came on, I, I asked you this and uh, to my surprise, I thought you were, I, I thought you weren't for unions, mm -hmm. but I thought, but I thought, cause there's a new, I don't know if you've heard of these two, they're, they're being suggested as like in the last week or so in the news as like hybrid models, which is something I've talked about for a long time with these companies to provide a hybrid model um, of independent contractorship whatever that might look like instead of all this you know back and forth but before you before you even tell us your view on a union i want to ask you something first mm -hmm. if the companies showed 100 percent transparency i mean so let's take rideshare okay they show mm -hmm. where you're picking up who you're picking up where they're going um total distance and they can show you a route and what they think that time looks like but you might know better 
It's up to you. The total pay, everything up front, 100% transparent. Is there then any claim to argue with these companies if, if they did that? Because, sure. because then they are, then I have to say, then they are business choosing to charge how they wish and making offers to independent contractors, which is a way of making offers to ICs. Sure, sure. And I, and I'm fine with that. That would be, oh, that would be a huge step in the right direction if they would meet that, that basic requirement that they're, that they're required to, to meet, right? That they're, that they show us the full information. Um, the only other, uh, the only other caveat to that that I would still include is that I am not super comfortable with the way that they use the data they get back from us. And that would still be that would still be the um, the one issue that I would still hold with them is that our ability to give feedback to the system is is hampered by how they use it. You know, so for instance, I, I've talked to a number of individuals about this who didn't, you know, oftentimes they don't know what's happening, of course, if they don't work in the industry as we do, um, that, you know, suddenly one day uh, on DoorDash, when you go to get an offer that's an apartment, the apartment number is not showing anymore. And they don't show it until after you've picked up the order. So if you don't know for sure that it's an apartment building or an apartment complex, you might take it when you prefer not to have orders like that. Um, because they're still high. So, you know, and again, it's that, it's that like, well, isn't that full enough information? Well, it depends on how they decided that that little bit should not be shown or it depends on how well, I'm, they ta I'm talking about if everything was shown, doesn't sure, matter sure. which app okay. I'm talking about everything. Yeah. Is there even a fight left though? Because at that point you'd be fighting the system of business being allowed to conduct itself. Sure. Oh, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily like fighting uh, the people. No, I'm just, I'm just wondering because to me, I, that's what that's that's what us at Para, even mm -hmm. if some of us differ in some ways on our sure. opinions, where mm -hmm. we do come together is you know, 100% transparency solves every problem we have. End of story. Because that's all. Because at that point, if it's just all junk, don't take it. Move on to the next gig. Sure, sure. And yeah, and on the legal side, I would say that that does cover the bases. And then, you know, we could we could have a whole other uh, conversation that would be a little a little uh, outside of the point where we all come to that agreement, uh, which would be that the future of work, generally speaking, means that as we go into more tech based work, more app based work, um, that ordinary ordinary working folks um, are probably going to find way want to find ways that we can wield that to our advantage other than just as individuals. Um, so that, so that, well, we there's our, and there's already apps yes. like that. There's like nursing apps where you can travel the country and just go plug into a network for three to five weeks. If you want to go visit some family or something, say you can go be a nurse in another state, you know, things oh. that weren't pre pandemic weren't even allowed. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm talking more about things like, uh, like driver owned cooperatives and things like that, that people are looking into, which I think should be, should be a viable option. Um, and the only thing that would stop that from happening is if say, you know, the, the app companies wanted to get involved in the regulatory mechanism to make it exceedingly expensive to do so, so that only people with a lot of capital startup could do it. That that would be the only, that would be the only other hang up. And as far as, um, you know, so the group that I work with, it's Colorado Independent Drivers United. We are um, a, a, a totally non-traditional uh, labor union, right? There's no shared workspace. There's not um, a collective bargaining contract and we're not hired employees. So it is kind of a different angle at which to take it. And it's very much for those same purpose, right? The transparency, meeting their, um, their legal requirements under the TNC. Act and, and other um, and other issues that we're having with them, and that that's basically the end goal of this group. And and apart from that, it's um it's been a good community to kind of connect people with, you know, how do you make the most of this um, as a as a job if it's what you're doing for work? How do you maximize your own earnings? Because uh, they certainly don't uh, they certainly don't send out newsletters that effectively do that uh, when you when you hear from the app companies themselves. So. I mean, it's something I would I would look into just out of interest, but I already I'm not a closed minded person on this or I try not to be on anything. But I have had I have I I have had more than my share of experience and have my own very, very opinionated. Yes. Views on unions. Gotcha. Um, I think there is a time and a place for a few of them. I think for the most part, they don't belong. But um you're when you're talking about these cooperatives, usually at some point what they lead down a road to unions. Is that well, something, well, you I mean, something you think that you personally think the gig economy needs is, is unions? Because I well so if something is in, if something is employee owned, then it's you know it's gonna be operating on a on a break-even model in any case. It wouldn't be a for-profit co um, corporation, it would be a 
Yeah, that's exactly why they're going for the co-op model is my understanding. And we don't have the capacity, I think, here to do it in Colorado right now. Um, but it would be, I think it would be something that would be interesting to see as an alternative to the, uh, you know, to the, the corporate owned um, app model. So it's not something I, I'm, like I said, I do this, I do this part-time for a reason. Uh, it's so that I can, you know, it sounds like, like what you do, various kinds of uh, work. And in my case, right. it's paid, some of it's not paid. And um, I, I would not, uh, I would not be in a position to be a founding member of a co-op that's going <laughs> to eat up 40 plus hours a week just on that one endeavor. Um, but I think it would be an interesting thing to see. And, um, and I think uh, as long as uh, we're not prevented from doing so, I think it was probably, uh, probably something that's coming down the road regardless because a number of drivers would like to do it. Right. And, uh, and a number of local businesses as well would rather work with something smaller like that or, or so or so they have indicated to me that they're done, done trying to work with Uber and done trying to work with DoorDash. And they'd rather uh, just contract individually with uh, with drivers. And I thought, well, you know, I'm not in a position to start that. But if somebody is, yeah, I'd love to see I'd love to see what it would take to to have a, you know, a smaller scale version of that business, like, a you know, not a mom and pop delivery service, but something like that. Yeah, I mean. They were, you know, when AB5 passed, they were threatened to leave in February after they gave them 30 days to start paying into that model before Prop 22 was even initiated. And they were told to pay by midnight. They said absolutely not and demanded to get that proposal vote. And the state, it was like, you know, the final minutes, literally. It was like mm -hmm. two minutes before midnight or something when the state said, it would disrupt our public uh, transit system. We have to let them stay. So, I mean, really, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like why, why don't these companies just be a hundred percent transparent because then it kind of solves the problems between us, or at least would make a lot of sense because it's very few people I know who want any change of a regulation or a union. And I'm talking about like 95% of the drivers I talk to, of the hundreds I've, I've I talked to, yeah, want that. It's literally 5% or less who truly want anything that's going to in any way enable a group to take some funding or be able to limit or, and I know that's not the intention when they, when they develop, but that sometimes is the road that they travel down, even if they don't mean to. Um is very much towards union dues. In fact, I don't know if you're familiar with Vina Duval, but I had a very extensive conversation with Vina about a year ago. Um, and she was talking to me. She knew she was a big, she was a big portion of the AB five piece with Lorena Gonzalez and Gavin Newsom. And uh, <clears throat> just really kind of didn't, couldn't sell me, couldn't sell me on uh, the perks. And I, it, it worries me because so I got to I, I got to ask you this. So you're in District 16, which is Colorado Springs. Yeah. Aren't and I'm just asking, aren't you very much against the wall? I mean, I'm just asking because I, I live in Denver. And for those of, that don't know our area, Colorado Springs, Denver is very all over the map politically. <laughs> but Colorado Springs seems very to the right to me. Uh, it, it's not as much as you might think. It, it's a mix. It's a mixed bag, um, and the the uh, certainly the portion of town uh, where my district is is uh, far more uh, cent center to center left um, than than the county at large or Colorado Springs even at large. And the cities the cities changed an awful lot um, over the years. Um, it's grown a lot. It's diversified a lot. A lot of our um, voting habits have changed. Um, we are about to at last legalize recreational cannabis here, right? Like one of the last like metro areas that, that where it's not permitted. Um, you know, it's just there's actually the bigger disconnect is between how the, um, the citizenry at, at large um, feels about things and operates in the city as opposed to how the government actually operates. Um, because right. our, our city council and, and whatnot is not not always the most responsive. So that's it, it's kind of hard to tell at a distance, but it is very much different here on the ground than it's been in, in ages. And I've lived here 16 years altogether. Okay. okay. So, yeah, yeah I've, been out, I've been out in college. I'm originally from Michigan, but I've been out here about 26 years now. So okay. where are you from in Michigan? Uh, East, East Lansing, Lansing area. Oh, okay. I'm from very southeast, like practically Toledo, Ohio, but Monroe, Michigan. Okay, was okay. I was born and raised initially. Downriver from Detroit. Down, yes, exactly. <laughs> I know where you are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to, uh, so 
let's i want to jump over to the comments and see if uh i want to see what gary has starred over here maybe we got some uh I want to apologize during the lull here for my video. I don't know why it froze. I tried to see if I could like close it, but it's nothing. Nothing seems to be working. I don't know if I'm still frozen on your end, but the picture is, but the audio is great. So okay. <laughs> I think we're good. Um, so I'm going to, you know, I'm Gary's in here starring some uh, comments. So you guys keep the comments coming in, please. Uh, I guess some of these are going to be what they are. And I, I guess we'll see where, you know, if, if, if you feel like answering them, go ahead. Um, you know, no harm, no foul. Uh, we got Gary sniping in there, you guys. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, let's, let's put, I'll put a couple up on the screen that you can see. And so can you see this? Yeah, I can, I can see. Okay. So first yeah. question, uh, I guess she's, he's, it needs to be reworded here, Roy, but, <laughs> uh, will you be running on the green deal? Um, Green deal. is she comfortable um, putting gig workers and others out of work so i think he's talking about um energy sustainability going mm. electric um okay i mean I, so I, I do support our our greenhouse gas reduction roadmap in, in colorado and i think to the extent uh possible we should be meeting meeting those goals and beating them when our capacity allows for it um you know i think the uh i don't i'm not sure what the uh through line there would be for as far as like putting gig workers and others out of work, we are, we do have a, a transition to make from fossil based energy fuels to renewable energy. Um, yeah. And it's not and it's it's hard. To, it's, it's always going to be hard to do that without somebody taking a hit. Um, I do appreciate that we have an office of just transition in the state, and I think it should get more funding to ensure that nobody in a uh, coal or natural gas uh, based community is being left behind in the transition. Everybody gets what they need uh, to adapt to the to the world changing. I mean, we're all we're all part of a uh, kind of a, a new a new tech uh, form of, of work ourselves, right? It's, um, it certainly altered how other people have worked and, you know, dec decades before until now, and, um, we're going to continue to change. So, um, I think facilitating, facilitating that change so that people have, uh, you know, cushion to land on and, and the resources they need is, is more important than digging in our heels. Okay. So, um, I guess with this, I do want to say that, you know, like I've even said, you know, hey, is it going to come down to needing legislation so that we've seen lots of different states do different models? We've seen, you know, I people view it different, but we've seen what I call a complete fail in California across the board because when I talk about this, AB5 killed lives. I don't talk. I'm not talking about the gig economy. It destroyed people that I know took out nonprofits. We've talked about this at nauseum, so I won't bring get into it today. But what Massachusetts is moving to is very, um, very, very heavy, uh, and not allowing the type vote. Um, DC. But Roy brings up a good question here: Is this? Do you see needing legislation? So okay, yeah. yeah. So. So here's what I here's what I will say is that it depends it depends on what it is you know, adding adding more restrictions on I mean it would depend on what it is um, and who it benefits I will say the uh, the gig companies uh, are pulling out all the stops to influence government to their liking right they've Insta, Instacart and DoorDash have put huge amounts of money into the alcohol delivery for instance. Um, they have a lobbying group now that's that's all run by their industry to to influence state governments for for what they want, right? And and they're free to do that. That's that's how the system works. Um, but I just I do want. It's called the Flex Association. Yeah, Flex Association. Yes, thank you. Um, and you know that's that's industry run. That's not driver run. And sometimes you know frequently we we can uh, be have mutually beneficial relationships with the app companies. Sometimes, sometimes we are not on the same page and their interests are against ours. And so anytime that we have, uh, and this is a, this is a major ethic for me, nothing about us without us. That's, that's where I always land. So if we're going to change anything in the law around the gig economy, gig workers ourselves need to be there to say what we want. Um, to the extent that, uh, like I said, my, my drivers United group, uh, interacts, uh, with the government at all like so far that's that's been the extent of it that's kind of the name of the game is to get people to uh comment and uh give testimony on relevant bills to make sure that the driver's side of the story is being heard and not just what the you know what the app companies want right which 
kind of rolls into the next question. I know a lot are from Roy here today. Um, I see that Gary's picking out some other ones too, but um, so yeah, do you feel, I mean, are you in a, how do you feel about government involvement in, in private businesses? Well, I mean, we, we always do to some extent, right? We have to protect ordinary working folks. We know we have a minimum wage. We have workplace safety protections. Um, you know, certainly they can be, they can miss the mark or, or be irrelevant or, um, you know, be unnecessary. Maybe, maybe he's that. relating this just to independent contractorship. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it, but it, it, you know, even though it's a, it's a private business, uh, you know, right, right, right. But sure. It's also I a mean, different path chosen. Yeah. 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 It is. And, and, you know, um, at, on some level, we have to, we have to recognize that a, a privately owned business that's, running on thousands of other people's cars and labor and insurance plans and devices and all of that, like there is a public component to it at a certain point, you know, for instance, we did have a, um, you know, bill passed in the legislature. This, I think it was just this year, maybe it was last year, um, making sure that if you have an accident with an uninsured motorist that you're still taken care of as a, as a gig worker, because that's something that ends up being out of your control. And, you know, hopefully we're prepared for those things, but, but it, it's just not possible for everyone to be. And ordinarily when you have a, an accident with an uninsured motorist um, on the job, like, yeah, someone's got to be responsible for that. So, you know, we've, we've got gaps to fill usually, you know, in, in an ideal world, yeah, everything's a hundred percent a free market decision and there's no need to involve any rulemaking or other public policy, but, you know, to shore up uh, some of those, um, you know, some of those gaps, we, we do have to involve ourselves sometimes. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I just, yeah, I, I'm, you know, these are, you know, I'm, I'm looking at these and some of these, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much like, I'm looking at this from Aaron. Okay. Aaron's up in Alaska and he's asking opinions on fracking. My guess is she's not for it. <laughs> but, not uh, <laughs> I mean, I think that's just a, some of these are just a pretty much given I'm thinking, but um, if we like, that's the kind of thing, I don't think we need to go down that road unless you are for it. <laughs> right. Um, well, as I, like, you know, as I said earlier, I, I favor our, I, I think our roadmap to renewable energy is a, is a pretty good one. Um, it also puts us on a, it certainly makes us a national leader in clean energy development and carbon reduction. Um, and we should, you know, we should continue that path if we can amp up our, um, if, we, if we can ramp up our renewable energy development to the point that we have more capacity and we can decarbonize even more quickly, then, then so much the better. The, the fracking is, um, I think, an especially uh, hazardous means of extraction that causes a lot of environmental damage and water contamination. And, you know, we, if we can find, and I think we can find a cleaner and safer uh, way of energy, then there's, there's no need for us to be doing that, except that somebody wants to use it to get wealthier, right? We, we talked about the you know, uh, putting limits on what people can do with their greed. Sure. Um, but so again, he's, he's saying that he running on the green. I don't think she's running on it. I think that's just something she's for. It, uh, it is, I mean, it is a, it is a major value of mine. I think of course it is. But yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know if, is that how you would term it running on the green energy platform? Green energy platform. I mean, certainly environmental protection and, and acting on climate change. Yes. And I, that's, that's certainly part of it. Um, you know, we, we come back to green energy a lot, I think, in these in these conversations. There are also a host of other ways that we are uh, that we are contributing to carbon emissions. And some of that is also construction, um, how we build homes, how we uh, how we rehab homes when we um, when we do reconstruction as well. Uh, transportation, besides just uh, besides just what we put in our cars, also how we build our communities is a huge component for that. So, um, you know, he says, what does it take on increasing increase on gas prices and yeah yeah because well, this I mean, is this is a big deal to everybody it is. i mean this yeah. is huge well the gas prices have been brutal and i you know the thing about it is you know what's we there's a short-term solution where we could just continue to kick the can down the road as far as uh, renewable energy development uh just to keep prices uh lower in the short term um but at the end of the day the the oil company is taking is taking as much from us as they possibly can and fossil fuels are necessarily a volatile market that they, they tend toward price increases. Uh, and it's going to just keep getting more and more expensive. Like the best possible, I think the best possible scenario for us to keep using fossil fuels is that someday we'll run out. And hopefully what hopefully we'll uh, we won't run out before 
we've damaged the environment to the point we can't live on the planet anymore. Right. That's so at some point the change has to happen. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you know, one thing I'll say about the green deal, like, you know, of, of course, who, who wouldn't want that? It's, I think it's the price tag that comes with it and what it can really do. Again, you could say any price tag is worth saving the planet. Well, it's the price tag that comes with it and what countries are not doing it at all. I mean, North Korea, for example, I don't want to get in this way, but they just shoot nuclear missiles into the ocean. I mean, let's get real. I mean, they don't, uh, there's a, I won't name any other countries cause I don't want to break any YouTube rules here, but you know, yeah. a lot, a lot of places just do what they want. They don't care. Sure. Well, I think, and I think well, we want to lead the way is the, is the idea, right? I mean, that's, that's how I feel about it. I, I have a certain love of country where I, I want us to, sure. I don't want to just go around uh, beating my chest and saying we're number one. I actually want us to be our best and, and be, and be international leaders. And I feel very much that way about Colorado as a state as well. I like for us to be a national leader, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, in voting rights or environmental action or, um, you know, civil liberties of other kinds. So, you know, I, I, you mentioned the price tag and I, I'm right there with you, but I think also what, what's the price tag of continuing what we're doing? You know, that's not that's not free of cost either. The the destruction that we're dealing with, the pollution yeah. that we're dealing with, you know, every everything comes with a cost eventually. Um, right. So I just, you know, it's you get, you got to get everybody on board. Sure. It's, this isn't an option. This is if you're going to do yeah. this, everybody has to be on board and not everybody's on board. Yeah, well, that's not even close. And I know it, you're you're saying that it takes somebody to lead that, but really, it's almost like we everybody to make that happen. Everybody has to be on board fully, or else it's and plus people could start playing that as a value against each other if everybody wasn't fully un, involved. Well, they're not involved, so I'm going to get out, and it would you know bribes, bad money. <laughs> I mean, we all know where that things can go, but I hear you that. You know, if you want, if that's the kind of change that people want to see has to start somewhere. I, I just question the amount and the price tags and where the money goes. And because of the factors involved, is is it all well spent? Um, again, is saving the planet well spent? Sure. Um, you know, is it do it? Do we know that it's doing it? I think there's, you know, I think there's a good and bad. I think there's a lot of sides on this. Sure. Um, well, it certainly um, it certainly isn't saving the planet for us to give more and more and more of our income to the the fossil fuel industry so they can make, you know, artificially inflate the prices of fuels like they've been doing. Right. I mean, they've had like record profits this year, the, right. the big oil companies. I mean, just a, it, astonishing quantities of money. So that's where our money is going. Right. If we took even a fraction of it and put it into development that liberates us from that uh, fossil fuel dependency, then then we'd been, be in a much better position. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, but I think I feel like we're in that fossil fuel position. I mean, like there's a lot of people not ready to do it. You know, there's you don't have to you don't have to be into conspiracy theories to know that it's not a joke about these battery meltdowns. The fully electric cars are great. They're expensive. They do have big issues. They can a, a battery meltdown can cost the same as a new car, period. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. You know, it's like yeah. there are there's a lot of, there's a long way to go. Yeah. You know, so when I, you know, when I hear, at least hear you say things like, you know, it's going to be a while. I like that because I, I hate fake deadlines. Like by, you know, California's nuclear about these, like by 2025, everybody will be electric or else, you know, destroy yeah. your car. Well, but sometimes too, I think in order to get something done, you kind of have to draw a line somewhere and just say, let's do it by this date. And, you know, I, sometimes I'll, I'll catch some heat for this too, because I, I believe in throwing the date out farther, right? Throw, throw it out to a point where we know we can comfortably achieve it by then. We did that here in Colorado Springs with, with uh, closing a coal burning power plant in downtown Colorado Springs, Martin Drake, right? They put the closure date out to 2040. And then they said like, well, yeah, maybe, maybe actually we can do it by 2035. And lo and behold, it, it's done as of this year, we're no longer burning coal in downtown Colorado Springs. So we started with a date that was very easily achievable, which I think is, is what, where a lot of our climate goals are in Colorado right now. And as our capacity improves, and as we get buy-in from everybody who's, you know, all the stakeholders who need to be consulted, then we can start to move up the, the, the date. But right now, it's it's you know set at a point that's comfortably achievable yeah as comfortable as it can be right? well i don't know i don't know where our target is i i'm just i'm i'm i hate moving targets i've you know i'll, I'll use something that has moved too often that 
it this doesn't get political it just gets to a shareholder waste of money i'll use autonomous with uber there are other companies that are way better than uber uber's got rid of their autonomous division three or four times and had it peddled back to them so uh you know they time and time again they're they said full autonomous by 2019 by 2020 by 2022 by 2023 they are just i mean there's so, like we i've talked to autonomous engineers other people's and and the timeline isn't even close to what that moving target is so a lot of times it is just for pr and just to move it forward a year every time yeah so. yeah well, I mean, that's, that's, that's just on just being honest so yeah no i mean and that's how but i mean that's that is kind of how uh, the nature of public relations goes right you have yeah. to to give people something to work for so what i else? just wish yeah. i wish the media was a little bit better about being like hey there's that moving date again you know because i know and i understand it i understand they have affiliations with people and this and that and the other but um so the gig hybrid model, as I understand it anyway, it's not a thing yet. It's a way they're trying to get together to have, because some some stuff came up uh, about, it was it was born from the PRO Act, even though the PRO Act is fairly dismantled at this point, but it, it was bred from there that all gig workers need uh, to, you know, that it, the, the pandemic, proved that we all needed to be uh have um medical benefits and this and that and the other and again as soon if something like that happens it doesn't matter how it's worded and i'm not take i'm not saying anything about the sides here but again if that happens what it is is just an, they always are coming at it different ways to call you an employee right they would love that so yeah and this that's the tricky part because i again i i don't think and and you've we're, I think we're on the same page about this. We, we don't want to be hired. <laughs> we don't want to be hired by the app company. Um, if we wanted to be hired, we could go get a hired job. There's no shortage of them right now. Uh, that's not what we're after. And I think this, this is actually yet another good reason to separate medical benefits from employment and, and make them more publicly available. Because if we're going to say that yet yeah, you're supposed to get it from work and everybody's supposed to get you know, they're, they're paid leave and supposed to get their medical insurance and supposed to, et cetera, from their employer, then that means you kind of just can't have those things unless you're employed. And that's if you don't wish to be employed by a single employer and you'd like to work for yourself off a variety of jobs, you should be free to do that. Um, and it, it makes us more free when we preserve those options. So no, I'm not crazy about the hybrid model. I would have to see uh, the devil's always in the details, right? I would need to see more about how that would be implemented to say for sure whether or not I, I would, you know, go along with it at all. Um, and obviously it's going to, um, what I'm able to do at the state level is very different than what, what happens at the federal level. And I, I'm somewhat dependent on what, how those decisions pan out. But I think the, the bigger picture is, as we've discussed here, how do you how do we ensure that the existing independent contract law protects people in our position from being um, getting the runaround from our app companies? Because the concept of an independent contractor that we're working off of uh, still has its roots in, say, I'm going to design a website for you, or I'm going to, you know, um, I'm going to, you know, install some, a new sink or something in your bathroom, do a kitchen remodel, that kind of like, here's the job, I have a contract for it, I do it for you, you pay me. But we have a very rapid and higher tech version of that in which like every offer that comes in is a new contract, essentially. And how, how are we, how are we supposed to ensure that our, our rights are being respected in that contract if the technology gets away from us so quickly. So that's why the transparent, it comes down to the transparency. Like every time it comes down to the transparency and respecting our autonomy as independent drivers. Sure. I, I, I agree with the transparency 100%. I, I think that is a must because when I mentioned being in other arenas of independent contracting, uh, I, I'm never told you're going to be paid this much. And there might be this much more. <laughs> no part a part of my world does that work except for the gig apps. So, um, right, yeah. You know, you, when I when I do a job, I know what the pay is. I know if it's right. hourly, what the day rate is. Period. That's why I was saying earlier on, I saw it all up front. I got nothing to argue with. I don't care about their algorithm. I don't care what they're. I mean, I do because it could affect my tips. But I am 
a person who would realize, wait, I'm not getting the tips I was. I'm out of here. I don't. And that, I guess, leaves me with um, the Driven Dad here uh, had a question about why not just start a company versus a union? I'm trying to bring myself back to that part of the conversation, but. Sure. Um, well, and that's, and that's the thing. I think some, I think there are actually some, some gig drivers out there who would like to start their own company, like just start their own, um, you know, driver owned and run uh, cooperative, uh, you know, it'd be less, less, um, you know, less of a corporate model than we're dealing with, with, you know, DoorDash and et cetera. Um, but if they want to do that, they should be able to. Um, I would say that the um, there's a certain level of government intervention that would prevent them from doing that, that I would think uh, small government folks would not appreciate. Um, there's a there's certainly regulatory capture that goes on in our, in, at all levels of government in this country where uh, regulations are specifically tailored to benefit people who already, you know, already get what they want out of that industry you know, such as having a having a licensing process or something that's so prohibitively expensive and complicated that basically the only people who can fulfill it are the companies that already exist. So that's not that's not fair to people who want to do a startup, right? Tony Shu had a startup one day. Why can't somebody else have a startup and, and compete in that market with him? So I, I think as long as we keep it competitive, truly competitive in that way, then then we're in, in good shape. And yeah, some people should start a company. If yep. they want to. <laughs> yep. If you have the ability. Yeah. I mean, there's people, the driven dad who I just mentioned here who had that question. He rents a Tesla, but not from an Uber or Hertz program. He rents it from uh, a place that is privately owned, which you can do gig work in it or anything. It's completely commercial uh, insured. So he can conduct cool. any business he wants in it. He does that on a weekly basis and uh, it's worked out well for him. So, I mean, that's, that's uh, super cool. I love that. Yeah, yes. we should, um, we should, uh, I think, and maybe this will lead into, you know, uh, Driven Dad's other question about, you know, taxpayer funding for government financial incentives to make green companies. Um, you know, it maybe it's not that much different. Um, but the, you know, the reality is, when it comes to, when it comes to energy, transportation, anything that's on the grid, we, we know we're always using taxpayer funding to encourage this a particular kind of system. Um, because those things just don't aren't run on an individual basis, right? Even when I drive my private car, I have to drive it down a public road. Um, and even when I, you know, turn on my my lights that I individually paid for, they only work because I'm on the grid. So if we're dealing with things that work in, you know, whole systems across, um, you know, broad and diverse populations, of, of course, we're using taxpayer funding to incentivize one way of doing it over another. So I, I would rather we incentivize uh, a way of generating and distributing our energy that is uh, friendlier to the planet and keeps our air water, air and water free of pollutants for our own health. So if that's maybe that's, yeah. um, you know, if that, if that was supposed to be, a, isn't that hypocritical? Um, I think it's only hypocritical if we're trying to say that government shouldn't be involved. And I, I wasn't I wouldn't argue that in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the bottom line is, is government's involved in everything. So, I mean, you can't you almost can't say that period. <laughs> you just... sure. well, and, and as we've discussed, you know, the, the app companies certainly want to want to be there, right? I yep. mean, they certainly have their, their ways that they want to be involved in, in government action. They want to influence the law and the budget and the, um, you know, they're, they're going to do that. Human nature abhors a power vacuum. So if they're going to be there, we got to be there. So what do you, what do you think about this? Is this a question? I know we talked about it, but is this a question that you can answer or so, okay, so I, I, um, only loosely, and, and uh, it's necessarily a very surface level answer, so I apologize, I'm going to do the best I can with it. Um, I, I have not dug into, say, like, you know, like the paperwork, the founding documents, the everything that you would need to make that happen. Um, but there are, there is room in the law in Colorado for uh, nonprofit organizations to form a cooperative so that they can do more financial transactions and distribute money in a, in a way that's legal and transparent and, and has some governance to it. And so uh, something like that, I think, would necessarily be a a not-for-profit cooperative where everybody who works just gets paid for what the work that they do, or they get paid their share of it according to an agreement that they have. So, um, you know, just the same that you would with, um, 
say like an agricultural cooperative, like a um, like for for small farmers and that sort of thing, they don't turn a profit. They're not going to be publicly traded. They're not. But but everybody who is involved gets what they went there for. If that makes a little bit more sense, and I hope it does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, again, a a lot of what you say makes sense to me, but on a lot of the way that it's looked at. I always tell people, I, you know, I never tell people I, I am an independent voter through and through, and I am a true one and have been for many, many years. Nice. Um, politics matter to me a lot. I don't ever let my view on anything be known. There's a, there's some stuff that I, I understand that you're saying, but I don't want people thinking I'm the opposite way either. I don't see eye to eye on all of it. Um, I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not sure about, you know, I, I think that this kind of stuff, I've known a lot of people in a lot of these um type the gig workers collective the you know this down in la and uh the ones in texas and they just it always leads to um even like ones that in the beginning i didn't believe did in in one way or another it led down the path to the pro act eventually and to me that was like so destructive to this country that there's no way the, a pro act can exist in this country Okay. Well, we, yeah. we have, I mean, we have one, we have 59, what is it? 59 million independent contractors slash self-employment. So mm -hmm. I mean like that, a third of the workforce is. Yeah. That. Well, and see, and this is why, this is what makes it so complicated moving forward. I don't think that the, necessarily the, um, you know, pro worker movements of the past are going to be, you can't just cleanly resurrect, resurrect them in today's environment and do the same things and have it work. Like we were, I don't know if it was you and I, you and I, uh, before another conversation I was having recently where I was like, well, yeah, you can't just do a work stoppage for independent contract yeah. work to like you would a strike at a single work site. Right. So like, you know, certainly if uh, if people are being, uh, you know, mistreated, not getting paid with their with their work and all that. And they have like a, you know, a, an agreement for a work stoppage um, for a strike at a single location, then, yeah, then the leverage actually works because you can, you know, you can deny deny the offending company the thing they need, your labor in order to function. We don't have that in this kind of it just doesn't make sense. So, you know, I think the 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 trick moving forward here is going to be how do we move into the future of work in a way that doesn't harm people who work for a living or take them for a ride or exploit them? Um, because there is a, you know, a growing gap between people who work for a living and, and non-laboring investor class types. And, and, you know, if they keep getting, if they keep getting more and more wealth and they don't have to earn it, what, what are we toiling for is kind of the, the end all be all of it. And that doesn't mean that we can, you know, function, function the way that uh, granddad's union did, but we have to come up with something. And I, you know, maybe, maybe it's not the right terminology for it, but it's, it's how we've been organizing ourselves for now. And, um, you know, in the meantime, um, yeah, that we, we're going to keep coming back to that transparency. I don't think that's any, I don't think there's any disagreement there. They should say, no, no. That, they should fact, tell us what they are obligated to tell us. It's like yeah. literally the one thing they do. This is, this is what I find myself yelling at my app about half the time when it's frozen. I'm just like, literally, this is all you do. You don't make the food. You don't deliver the food. You just run the app, run the app, <laughs> make it work. That's your yeah. one thing. Yeah. I mean, like I, to be honest, I like having guests on who view things differently because I don't think it to be wrong. I don't think myself to be right. I actually, I don't think that if these conversations don't exist, mm -hmm. people aren't learning. Because if you just go yeah. to a conversation that you want to hear, mm -hmm. what's the point? Yeah. Somebody's, somebody's just cheering on your, your beliefs. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and I, I'm really big on leaning into curiosity over certainty. I, I yeah. always want to know more. We always want to bring in more voices. We want to rigorously debate everything. It's very important. We want to get it right. So I, I would rather be wrong for a while until I until I know for sure. Right? <laughs> I, I'm, I, well said, yes. So this is important because uh, this is a big deal right now. This is a huge yeah. deal. I mean, this is like the gig workers are seeing violence in the ways that the taxis used to in the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, so thoughts on this and it, maybe it's not even government or what, but and what are what are your thoughts on that? Sure. Well, and this this actually ties back so much to having um, a voice in the system when it comes to the, the app platform. Right. 
Because right now, like you were talking about earlier, you know, somebody makes a complaint about you and you get deactivated. Um, what's your what's your recourse for that? Um, you know, without without being employed, um, right. you know, if you're employed, you have there's a, a procedure for complaints that you can have. Since we aren't, we're just relying on contract law, and somehow the uh, <laughs> the app companies. Uh, agreement with the state does not compel them to give us some kind of process by which we can appeal a decision, get reinstated, um, you know, get compensation if we've been wrong. We don't have that. So that that does need to be incorporated somehow. And that's going to be tricky because, again, it's independent contract work, but it's not out of the question. Right. Certainly like day laborers have a right to safety and temp workers have a right to safety. And to some extent, um, there's, I think, some some good allyship for this in home care workers who routinely have issues with not being safe at work since they go into other people's homes. And if they have an issue, if they have an issue with a boss, they don't have anywhere else to go about it. Right. Like, so that's, that is definitely something that can be addressed um, in contract law and it should be the case for all workers. I think, you know, we're talking about not having, uh, you know, not having any recourse for if you're harmed, my God, like that, that should be something that the app company is responsible for that, you know, whether they hire us or not, I don't want them to, but even as non-hired, they are still dependent on our labor to earn a profit where they're still running on our work. Um, so our safety has to be a priority. That's not too much to ask of them. You know, and I, I got to say too, cause I, I know this is something else we'll agree on. And there probably will be some people in the chat who won't agree with me or you on this one. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, but there's a, um, I just lost my place. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You're good. Uh, I got thrown off by a comment here. Um, I'll come back to it. Um, okay. But I, but okay. here is something that uh, I was thrown off by for a second. So, uh, do you think that there is a wage gap? And I'll come back to this. I gotta just regain my thought here. Yeah, I, I actually, I do not have enough information to answer that. I, I'm not sure. Um, I, if you, um, driven, driven mom on here, she lives, she lives in, uh, like, uh, down in Park near Parkerish. Okay. Okay. Denver. Um, I can, uh, certainly. I would love to hear anything that you, anything that you have seen or heard that would, um, that would suggest that because. Um, I want to know if that is the case. I, to my knowledge, it is not, but I, I don't know that. Um, um, and I'd love to hear about it. Info at stephaniebhill.com. Drop me an email. I, I, I don't know. Do, do you do you have any insight on that, Steve? I haven't heard this. Well, I know that she's she just recently did a, uh, um, uh, a roundtable with all women workers mm -hmm. in the gig economy. I'm not sure what exact findings were, but... Um, I think for her own investigative reasons, she might believe that there is. I don't know. Interesting. Um, but you know, I, I'm again the way these algorithms work. I, it wouldn't really. Oh, which reminds me, that was <laughs> that was the thing. Gotcha. Remembered it. Um, part of the problem here is uh, the fact that never in the history of Uber or any of them. And I know the delivery apps don't really do much anyway to carry the correct insurance. But even when it was commercial insurance, full commercial insurance, before it came up with the way, the smaller commercial insurance for gig workers, you have always been told you need to carry the correct insurance by all of the apps. However, the and the apps make you upload the, pro, the proper insurance. However, we already know 90 plus percent don't upload the correct insurance. They're just uploading insurance. So most drivers, nine out of 10 drivers do not carry the correct insurance to do what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, that's to me, that's some, that's a disconnect that should be solved that I was saying, I, I know we probably won't have any disagreement here because I, and in fact, I, I would wonder who would have disagreement in this. They should, and especially now, before I understand, because Uber and Lyft came around, nobody knew it was happening. And all you could get was the $5,000 a year commercial policy. There was like 110 million things you don't need. And then you need right. like these two parts. Right. They've since done it. So the, the, the increase is minor and it's, you can get it through many companies. You don't, there was a time I remember even when people were scared to call and ask about it because they thought, oh, my insurance can get pissed. They're going to 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and I, I hate sometimes that it's like that where we're afraid to say what's really going on for fear. It's going to blow up in our face. Right. Um, so I alluded earlier to the office of just transition in the uh, department of employment, right? There are a few other um, divisions within, um, within CDLE, um, Department of uh, Future of Work, which is one of them, um, New Americans or a few others. I really would like us to use those more um, to get workers the resources they need to meet these to meet these goals. Right. Because like you said, nine out of ten, that's that's not great. That's not like a small number of people um, not getting the memo. That's a lot of people either willfully or unintentionally putting themselves and others uh, at risk. Um, and if we're going to have a robust gig economy, it needs to be supported by the state. And that, those communications, that would be a great thing for that office to take on, like having mm -hmm. having a go to hub for people who work in the gig economy to make sure that they are checking all the legal boxes, that they have everything they need, that they understand what their rights are. Um, that I mean, that's that would be kind of the public side of transparency is to have um, have a, a, an accurate public page available to people. And that's something I would be willing to look into. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, um, you know, I think we covered a lot of this. I think that at this point it would get very political. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's about the only thing left to run its course. If anybody does have a last question, please put it in here before we wrap this up, because, um, I think Stephanie has been a great guest. Uh, again, we'd love having people, uh, you can't get anywhere without difference of opinion, guys. And it's not like we differ yeah. on everything. There were some things we agree on. I actually like hearing other the other side's opinion because sometimes it just you know clarifies some light maybe to where you're even you're still not going to change your mind, but okay, I understand it more now. Right. And I don't know about other people, but that helps me sometimes just to even be able to say that. Sure, sure. You know. And then I would say to everyone in the comments we weren't able to get to, um, do please, it's just stephaniebhill.com is my website and there's a comment form um, and you can email me, call me. Uh, I'm, I'm very accessible. That The phone number there comes straight to me. Right. It uh, looks like we just have, a, there was a couple of last comments. So Driven Mom here. Um, we could take a larger a, caretaker role can affect their ability to drive during busy times. That isn't a true wage. A larger caretaker role. Oh, sure. Yeah. No. I and I think um, I think what I think what she's referring to here, and I, I think is so much bigger than anything I could pass a bill on, <laughs> is just the the societal norm that uh, women, generally speaking, we, we take on a lot of unpaid work in the in the form of domestic and caregiving work, and that that does take away from our ability to be doing paid, paid time. Um, and that's, that's a hard one to work around because, you know, the, the markets, uh, the market in which we earn money doesn't necessarily measure the kinds of work that we do at home to care for our loved ones, to care for our home, to cook meals, to raise kids. Right. Um, and right. so if those things are falling to women, that's necessarily kind of pulling us away from earning opportunities. So. So obviously blind blanketly, this is not a comment you agree with, but how do you address this one? <laughs> So government tends to want their cut in everything. I, I would just push back on that. What, it, what is their cut? Because when we're talking about our government, that's, that's our cut. That's ours. You know, when we, when we spend money, it's a matter of who it, who it supports, right? I think when we spend public money on things that benefit everyone in the public, then that's money well spent. Um, certainly we, we fund public parks, we fund libraries, we fund uh, public infrastructure for transit and all, all manner of other things that we need. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that the government getting involved always makes everything worse for the average person. I can think of some times when it certainly does, and I'd be inclined to agree with you, but I'm not probably, um, I'm, I would push back against that, uh, that, blanket, that blanket statement, because frequently we need government involved to, to stop uh, people from being, from being hurt. Uh, it, I, my guess, Tony, is for money. Is that right? Say what? Oh, for money? What, <laughs> why do I gig and, and what gigs? Oh, and at, this might have been at the very beginning when you weren't on yet. So I, I will say, so I do um, delivery. I do delivery. I do DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats. Um, I did Instacart for a while. I was not an Instacart fan, to be honest. Um, and in the past, uh, I also did all kinds of other odd jobs, right? I had a cookie business for a while. I'd provide nanny work and daycare and all kinds of things. Um so I, I all for money. 
All for money, all for money. Um, and specifically because I had been disabled for a while in my earlier adulthood. And so when I started finding myself wanting to kind of ease back into work and felt like my health was in a good place to do so, uh, that was that seemed to me the best option was to take on um, to take on independent contract work and, and work when I wanted to and back off when I didn't and buy myself that flexibility. And I think it's a wonderful thing to be available for those of us who want it and should absolutely be preserved that way. Um, yeah. OK, so I got I, I had to pull this up, but I'm, I'm kind of wondering. So to me, again, this is just me, Roy, but I would just prefer the transparency. Um, because I, I, mean, I just don't think in the gig economy is a place for everybody to be pricing it out. Um, but that's right. just because of the headache that the system wouldn't be able to control it. It could sure. just make things way worse, but that's... You no, know, but Roy makes an interesting point there because I think that's, you know, for people who want to try an alternative that's driver-owned and driver-run, like that that's that's what they would probably be going for. And, you know, I, I guess, as I said, there's a there's a restaurant downtown here as well. I just kind of keep thinking back to him because he's he's very, you know, good, strong libertarian streak. I just want to run my business. I don't want to deal with this, um, you know, these extra fees and regulations and all that. And he's like, can't, can't some of you who are tired of driving for Uber and DoorDash and all that, can't you just start like a little, your own little independent driver business and I'll pay you, right? Like I'll actually just give you a lump sum to take all the deliveries for and plus mileage. And, you know, like, Hey, you know, we actually, you actually could probably get a handful of people to sit down and draw that up with you. Um, you'd probably want it to be like a cooperative of just, just downtown restaurants, for instance, um, who cooperate with just a handful of drivers. And yeah, you could probably do that. Again, as long as there's no like, uh, you know, industry backed regulatory measure that would make it prohibitively expensive and cumbersome. I mean, okay, that's your answer, Roy. So, uh, yeah, Chris, thank you very much. Thank you for joining. For, thank you, everybody, for joining in, by the way. I'm just kind of coming through the end of these. Uh, uh, oh, this is, a, this is a veteran gig worker here saying, uh, giving you some good luck, saying good good talk. Uh, you listening in. Yeah. Um, you see, I think that, uh, so let's see. Uh yeah, I think that I think that I've got to all the questions today. I think that uh, Gary, thank you for helping out. Thank you for pulling some into the starred column for us. Uh, everybody can thank Gary if your question got asked or I or we pulled it up. It was because Gary picked you um, until the very end there. Other otherwise, if he didn't pick your question, you can blame Gary. So, <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Gary. I appreciate it. It's uh, sometimes when I've done some live streams just for for the campaign, I, I find that uh, it's almost impossible to do unless you've got a, a moderator to snag and funnel comments. So I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's I. You know, we don't need it on every live we do, but I asked him to please be here today. Just you never know, and especially in the some trolls come in or something, and sure, you know, just start making it about what not about what we're talking about and get us way off track. So appreciate sure. it. By the way, um. Stephanie's website is in the show notes. So if you feel like, you know, especially if you're in Colorado, especially if you're, especially if you're in Colorado Springs, check yeah. out her website. Um, but even if you're not, and you're kind of interested, because it might may give you some perspective on even what's going on in your area. I would think I'm trying to make that a blanket because yeah. we, we have watched viewers from around the country. So trying to make it or, you know, yeah, I'm trying to think how you'd say it. But I don't know if you're the first. I know I know you'd be the first in Colorado, but I don't know maybe the, maybe the, even the country, if you did win, right? That to be a gig worker well, who takes yeah, I'll certainly be the first uh, first gig worker uh, elected to the Colorado State Legislature. I'm I'm not sure how that looks around the country. That's a that's a good question. Right. It's you know it's a relatively new it's a relatively new way to work, and, and at some point or another, somebody has to be the first person who uh, gets into a public position where we can we can be heard. Right. Um, well, thank you, everybody in chat for joining us. Thank you, uh, those those who watch the replay. And uh, I want to especially thank uh, or, or thank Gary as well, but especially thank uh, Stephanie for joining us today and sharing what her platform is about. It gives I think it gives all of us perspective. If you didn't if you didn't get that, I'm sorry. Hopefully it, it, it gave you something, though. Hopefully you took away something from this. Uh, I always do. And I really appreciate her time. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much for hosting, Steve. It's been a good time, and I, I apologize that I have just no. one frozen frame of my awkward uh, my awkward expression there for the duration of this video. Um, 
I, I promise I'm smiling through the whole thing. <laughs> <I'm> right. <sorry. laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate being hosted and thank you everybody for your time. Okay. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Peace. Be safe out there. Make money. Earn smart. And right. uh, check out, if you want to kind of relate one last thing to Stephanie a little bit, check out what we what David's got going over at Para um, on driverrights.org. If somebody with a, a wrench could put that in the chat, uh, driver, singular, rights.org. Uh, that's the 58,000 signatures for transparency. Um, so kind of jamming on that so if you haven't signed up for that please do um you're given nothing more than your email as we deserve full transparency that's all it's it's yeah. all we're about so anyway uh thank you stephanie and uh, everybody be safe out there bye